Hi everybody, this is Joe Dini, the host of Legends of the Internet. This is part two of our coverage of Onision, so make sure that you see part one first. So let's get started. So I wake up the next morning to a series of texts from him saying that he's not right in the head, that he's not over the e-fling he was having with Miss Menage Trois, and that he isn't going to be around or make himself available to me anymore. I responded with a very cold and callous text telling him that I don't appreciate being chewed up and spit back out, especially when he isn't the only one with feelings here. I told him if this is what he wants, so be it, and I said goodbye. He called me immediately to talk about the person he is upset over, and I wasn't amused. He quickly realized that trying to manipulate me into a jealous frenzy wasn't working, and somehow managed to reroute the conversation and relevance of bringing up the other girl into him working things out with me. He was so sweet and charming, so I accepted when he said he wanted another shot with me. We made a Skype date for later that evening. This is where he tells me he's falling in love with me, tells me I shouldn't be afraid to love him too, and asks me to be his girlfriend. Against my better judgment, I accepted. What can I say? I was smitten with the boy. He kept telling me how beautiful I am, how smart I am, how funny I am, it had been a while since I heard anyone say those things to me, and he knew that. He really punched a huge hole in my defensive wall, and any remaining bricks of resistance he basically forced me to tear down myself with guilt trips and scare tactics, making me feel like there was something wrong with me for not wanting his love or to love him in return. It was unnerving, and I felt vulnerable, but the damage had already been done, and I went right along with it. Uh, he started asking me to move out to Los Angeles to live with him so we can give our relationship a fair shot. He said that everything would be easier if we were to if we were face to face. I told him that this is all happening a little too fast for my taste and I would absolutely love to fly out there for a weekend to spend time with him to make sure us dating is something either of us actually want as we barely knew each other. But he was not pleased with my answer. He became offended and qu and upset. He started making completely asinine statements such as, If I really love someone, I would give up everything to be with them. Love is the most important thing in my life. To which I responded with, If I really love someone and they really loved me, I would trust them not to have unrealistic expectations of me like that. And to completely diffuse the situation, I smiled, flipped my hair and told him, Let's hang out first and see what happens. Who knows, maybe I won't want to go home. Just be patient with me. There was no arguing that. He settled down at that point. It felt like the more I turned up my nose, his attempts at controlling the situation, the more extravagant his next attempt would be. It was like the ultimate gang of, game of Pong, back and forth, until one of us would slip up and then it's game over. I want you to remember, this is still night three of us talking. Not three years, not three months, not three weeks, three days. Please notice how he is already throwing the I, the L word around, as if he's using to control me and invoke fear, rather than to express any genuine feelings for me. Then the conversation got really warped and sexual. He started asking me how I felt about uncircumcised penises, proceeded to tell me about his, and then asked me all sorts of sexual questions about myself. He asked me about how I protect myself during sex. I told him I could not find a birth control pill that's right for me, so I use condoms. I, however, made the mistake of telling him that I'm allergic to them, so ultimately it ends up being painful for me. 
I joked around saying that I'd rather be pregnant than use the alternative and shove lamb hide inside of me, and I guess he took me seriously. Because he responded, well, it's settled. We won't use condoms then. Uh, I asked him, what if I get pregnant? And he told me we'd cross that bridge when we come to it and implied that having a mini-me may not be such a bad thing later down the line. Uh, okay, I had, to, I had to stop there because what the fuck? I was like, uh, 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 it's like, oh my, I, I, I'm sorry. I had to take a mental break right there. What the hell? The expression almost has is like, it's beyond, like, I, 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 I really wondered. I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's just all blank, like, what the fuck? So I'm thinking, you know, I, that's that's not a question that you can just throw away as, oh, we'll get there when we get there later on. Oh, by the way, having a kid with me may not be so bad. But no, she keeps going. Jesus. Uh, even though I objected to or was offended by everything he was saying, I didn't have the emotional energy to be assertive and tell him how I really felt. Because by this point, I was frightened by his unstable emotions and was scared he might never speak to me again if I upset him. I was utterly terrified of making him angry. In three days, he had already found ways to manipulate me and make me feel like my life would be mundane and worthless without him being in it. And I didn't want to challenge him. Oh, but then he tells me when we live together, we're waiting a month before we have sex. He wanted to have sex. And now he's saying we should wait until... I like a month let me be it'd be like him just her and then he got this like brainwashing machine just freaking doing crazy experiments this person is a fucked up individual but there's more eventually he ended up telling me that one of the times him and shiloh broke up was because he had a problem jerking off to hentai and she was disgusted by it <laughs> What? And before I had time to finish being disgusted myself, finish throwing up in my mouth and disconnect the call, he started talking about just Shiloh. Even though I felt that indulging in more of his trash talking was a selfish and sleazy move on my part, once again, curiosity got the better of me, and I set my morals aside to hear what he had to say. He told me that Shiloh was a psychotic pathological liar that almost every word that comes out of her mouth is fabricated or designed to hurt someone. I think it goes without saying that he told me he didn't believe she was pregnant and that she lied entirely about losing her memory, that she admitted it to him later. He told me that she was controlling and wouldn't let him not only talk to other girls, but look at them in movies. And I don't mean the hentai kind, I mean summer blockbuster kind. So, Megan Fox, generally. He told me that his tattoos were her idea that she wanted him to get them to recommit himself to her after one of the many times they broke up. She got his name on the back of her neck and he was supposed to get her name on his wrist, but he changed his mind at the last second after she had gotten hers and chose something far more vague. Remember love, was what he put as his tattoo. He told me that he was the only one she had told about how she was born with both genitals but somehow, as a baby, opted for cosmetic surgery to go the female route. 
He told me that she claimed to have lost her virginity to him, but believes that when she told him, she was brutally raped several times, that they were just her ex-boyfriends, and that she didn't have the courage to admit to him that she wasn't a virgin. He told me when they were dating, they would drive to or meet up in any states that could where 17 was the legal age of consent. Jesus. Damn. Wow. Damn. Yeah, that's why probably they're not. That's a good reason they didn't come to Florida, because, like, down here it's 18. Yeah, man, what a sick fuck. What a sick fuck. Damn. Uh, they didn't just meet up that one time, as they led people to believe with their videos. How's this for messed up? He even went as far as to tell me that his mother informed him that when they were broken up but still living together, and Greg wouldn't have sex with her anymore, that Shiloh tried to force his little dog to eat her out, and the dog got scared so it bit her in the crotch. This... Oh my god. This... Oh, wow. Then he said something about Shiloh peeing on his bed and blaming the dog. I don't even know. By this point, I was terrified and stopped listening. It was time for me to fucking go to bed. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, I went off to bed and tried to pretend like that didn't just happen. Uh, somewhere within the next few days, we have <gasps> another completely ridiculous and unnecessary argument started entirely by him. As per usual, it involves Skype. I guess I had forgotten about the mandatory Skype requirements of being his girlfriend and naively made plans to hang out with my friends instead of Skype all night with him. Even though I gave him an advance warning that I wouldn't be able to chat, I was being foolish and thought maybe he could salvage his night and go do something fun himself. Unacceptable. He immediately calls me to tell me that I don't truly love him, that once again I'm not fighting for love. He told me he doesn't understand how I can choose my friends over him, that in order to be with him, that I have to prioritize him over everyone. Then we ended up getting into this additional argument where I asked him, what's going to happen if we live together and I want to go out with my friends one night? His response, well, I'll go with you. We're supposed to do everything together. I added, I meant without you. He told me he thought I was being shady and he doesn't deserve to be treated like this. Even though I thought he was acting like a five-year-old cult leader in the making, we played phone tag for about an hour. Eventually, I got him on the line long enough to tell him that friendships require constant maintenance and I'm not going to neglect the people I love because he's insecure with being left alone for a little while. I told him that when I said I am not going to neglect the people I love that I meant him as well, that there is such a thing as time management. I told him that healthy adult couples require time apart. What's the point? Is me having what's the point of me having to share my life with him when I have no life other than him to share? He might as well date himself. Did I mention that during all of this, my friends had come to my house and were sitting in the living room waiting for me while I was arguing with Greg? And eventually, I became so overwhelmingly frustrated that I had to send them home, ultimately to buckle under the pressure and Skype him. But hey, I scratch my his back, he scratches mine, right? I Skyped like he wanted, so he had in return he admitted I was right, that he was acting childish, and that I can hang out with my friends whenever I want. Thanks! Even though a few days later, he pulled the exact same stunt, but this time I was at my friend's house, not at home, and completely unable to Skype even if I wanted to. Since I was preoccupied and unable to tend to my phone blowing up with calls and texts every five minutes, 
He started making ridiculous ultimatums and demands that had absolutely nothing to do with anything. You tell me right now that if you're going to move here in a week or it's over, it's this is the final time. Huh? That's when the countdown started. You have one hour to answer me or it's done for. 46 minutes. 32 minutes. 16 minutes. I shit you not, this happened. He was literally counting down every minute. So at this point, I proceeded to get obliterated, hammered, fell on my ass, pissed drunk, and send him pictures of Chocobo as my responses. <laughs> as I'm sure you can imagine, that didn't go over too well. From that point on, details are fuzzy, but I do know that I ended up calling him at 2 in the morning, crying uncontrollably and screaming at him for hours. Apparently, according to him, I reamed him a new one, and he learned his lesson to never try and become between me and my friends. It was never an issue from that moment on. Over the next day or so, things finally felt, well, as stable as they possibly could. And what I mean by that is that Greg wasn't necessarily angry with me over nothing, which meant that I could breathe easy. So I was making friendly banter with him via text message. I told him I was excited because I just ordered new jewelry for my septum piercing. Because one of the little balls unscrewed and fell off, so I had to wear the jewelry flipped up. Even though he knew I had a septum piercing before he asked me to be his girlfriend, he proceeded to tell me that he thinks they're ugly and implied that he thought I should take it out because it was disrespecting my body. Uh, I became unequivocally, unbashingly, downright fucking furious that I went off on him. I told him that he has absolutely no right to try and change how I look or who I am and that if he really loves me... He would love and accept all of me. That there's no buts when it comes to love. Love is unconditional or it's not love at all. Then he got angry. Then I got angrier. Then he got even more angry than that. Then as expected, he dumped me and I spent the next couple of hours ignoring his angry texts and frantic phone calls until his fury-filled mania subsided and he realized how ridiculous he was being and called me crying to apologize for everything. I decided not to just grin and bear it like I have in the past, but to be completely honest with him. I reminded him that I'm a 26-year-old adult who is far more experienced, not only in relationships, but life, than he is, and that I know when I'm being manipulated. That every word that comes out of his mouth is his way of trying to manipulate me into giving him something he wants. So I said to him, wouldn't it just be easier to ask instead of fighting for it all the time? I told him that I'm willing to compromise in certain areas for the sake of maintaining a healthy and functional relationship where both parties are satisfied, but I absolutely refuse to change myself or who I am, merely to accommodate someone's overly sensitive ego. Um, he toggled between crying and being silly. I'm a banana, Greg. He didn't know how to process with what I said to him. He told me that no one has ever spoke to him the way I have before, that I was right. Every word out of his mouth was him trying to manipulate me, that he's a very conniving and manipulative person. He told me that he's not used to dating women, that in relationships he's used to playing babysitter. He told me that my independence and free will scare him, and he doesn't know how to handle it. He also expressed to me that he wasn't used to having to keep his private life private, that he was used to he used the significant other being actively involved in his YouTube career as I had asked him to keep everything between us private, which I think is funny. Looking at his most recent videos where he's begging for the privacy, I begged him for a month or so ago. Anyway, we made up, 
A few days of peace and quiet went by until he started demanding I move out there again. I told him I can't do that, but rather I want to meet him face to face and spend some quality bonding time first. He told me to ask my boss for time off, and I agreed. It took me forever to get my boss to respond for me, but more or less he told me he couldn't give me up any upcoming weekends fully off. So Greg booked a plane ticket for him to come out here. He also booked a hotel room because he didn't feel comfortable intruding on my roommate's house. Right. This all brought me back to that period of time a few weeks prior when I was watching his videos on YouTube, wondering what it was like to be in Shiloh's shoes. Strangely enough, now I know. Um, so Greg flies out here, gets his rental car, and comes to my house to pick me up in a black mustache and his chibi wig. I thought it might break the ice if we both looked ridiculous when we met, so I had on a black mustache too. It honestly just made everything more uncomfortable, especially when our mustaches got tangled, which made for an awkward first kiss. A kiss that happened in the first 10 seconds of us meeting. So, we drove back to his hotel room. We walk in the door, I set down my bag, and instantaneously he starts making out with me. He immediately starts taking off articles of my clothing, and we had only been there for not even 30 seconds. He gets me on the bed, still kissing me and touching me. Between his kisses was me going, no, 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 and him kissing me harder to shut me up. I finally pull away long enough to remind him that he said we were supposed to wait a month and that maybe we should get to know each other in, a, in person a day or two before we jump into having sex. He asks me, why, as he continues kissing me. Eventually, I realized I was fighting an uphill battle, so I gave up and just went with it. By the way, she makes a note that he did not rape her at all, so if anybody's wondering about that, no, this was not rape, according to her. During sex, he's looking me in the eye, petting my hair, and asking me if I want him to come in me. I told him only if we can get plan B in the morning. He looks at me with these disappointed and frustrated eyes and says, Don't you want to be pregnant with my child? Come on, let's make babies together. I told him absolutely not, and he still came in me anyway. Luckily for me, he's not that big of a creeper that he refused to get me plan B the next morning. Basically, the first two days of him being in Austin, Texas was him repeatedly trying to have sex with me cutting off everything I was saying to ask me a sexual question or to make a sexual innuendo. It got to the point that we got into an argument about it because it was legitimately starting to hurt my feelings. For some reason or another, he would take me being frustrated and argumentative as a sexual challenge and would pin me to the bed and basically try to fuck me into submission. It became pointless to try and fight it, so I let him do whatever he wanted which resulted in him coming in me countless times after the plan B had worn off, with him citing, if you get pregnant, I will immediately marry you and you will step up as the role of the father of our child. What a turn on. Oh, well, say uh, la vie when you're involved in the life of this man, I suppose. Uh, later that evening, morbid curiosity struck again. I knew all about Shiloh, but what about Sky? After we had finished making love for the upteenth time, and we're rolling around in the sheets, I asked him what kept him with Sky for so long for him to tell me about her. I legitimately felt so bad for Sky that I had to tell him to stop talking and that I heard enough. At least the Shiloh stuff was laughable. This was just sad. I made him put in Star Trek and change the subject. 
After the first day or two of him being in Austin, he legitimately asked me to marry him. He told me that when I move out there, we'll go ring shopping. He offered me the moon and the stars and promised to be everything I've ever wanted in a boyfriend, fiancé, or husband. That the only thing causing problems is the distance between us and to just give him a chance. We decided that I indeed would move out there, that at the end of that month, it was September 10th at this point, he would drive out to Austin, Texas, we'd pick up my belongings, drive back, and live happily ever after. Uh, that doesn't... That's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'd asked him about my animals, as he didn't, as he said he did, in fact, offer to pay for the pet deposit at his apartment to bring my animals. But he followed that statement with telling me how unbelievably expensive it will be and how there is no room for my animals and nowhere to put their litter box. What else was I supposed to do? I clearly couldn't bring them. However, I also asked him about job-related stuff and money. He told me that I could work for him, run the contact page on his forum, and respond to people that he didn't have time to respond to himself, and that he would pay me for it. He also told me he would teach me to edit videos so I can help him get his stuff out faster, since apparently YouTube has him on a deadline. I guess I don't understand this YouTube crap. Uh, he said I could do this permanently since apparently his money would be mine if we are engaged, or I could do this until I was able to land a job of my own elsewhere. I mean, I have a couple of close friends who live in Los Angeles who I know would help me should I go out there and things end up in disaster, so I decided to just go for it. Regardless of some kinks here and there, how outlandish the entire situation was, and the fact that he had been trash-talking and farting all evening, things seemed like they were falling into place, like me and him had a real chance this time. Maybe he had a point all along, because truth be told, I did feel a sense of validation having him in front of me, without him being a mismatch of text and pixels. What a fucking mistake. It took just 12 hours for all that to unravel. Do you want to know what I had to fucking deal with the next day? Oh my god. First of all, let me just say that Greg talks in his sleep. Like, continuously throughout the night, clear as day and loud as hell. So it took me until dawn to finally fall into a deep sleep. But oh my god, I've been dying to tell someone this aside from my best friends in real life. Let me tell you how I woke up the next morning. Please grab a towel to sit on before you actually listen to this, because you will pee yourself with laughter. I don't know how I managed to keep my composure when it was happening to me. Now, are you ready for this? Ready. Okay, so Greg is shaking and tapping me. I roll over sleepy-eyed. I said, what? What? He says, do you suck me? I was like, what? No, what the fuck? I roll over and go back to sleep. I wish you could hear how he says it. He refers to blowjays as being sucked on. Ugh, ew. When he wants a beige, he goes, suck me? He says it kind of like an Asian man at a restaurant asking if you would like some additional suck me in your, with your order. <laughs> and he always says it with a raised inflection on the me, so it always sounds like, suck me? <laughs> So I slept for another hour or so until he woke me up a second time, asking, Are you mad at me? Once again, my response was more or less, What? No, I am asleep. What the fuck are you talking about? And I rolled over and attempted to go back to sleep. 
He told me that he had a bad dream where we were fighting and he needed me to love him and hold him now, like the Thompson Twins song, because he was scared. This was completely beyond me. This was too stupid for even me to put up with. I told him I was fucking asleep. I have no idea what he's talking about and that he's being ridiculous and to go back to bed. He responded by angrily turning over and covering his head with the blanket, like a five-year-old. I rolled my eyes and went back to sleep. I wake up a couple hours later, still slightly annoyed, but hopped in the shower and proceeded to get dressed and ready anyway. So by the time Greg woke up, we'd be able to go out for lunch like we had made plans to do the night before. I wasn't going to let anything ruin my last full day with him. He, however, had other plans. I was sitting behind a partition in the room, finishing up the last little bit of my makeup, where I hear, ADRIAN! To which I replied, to, as, to which I replied as what anyone else with a firm grasp on the English language and possibly reality. What? Well, that was the final straw for him, let me tell you. He doesn't respond, so I figure something is wrong. I walk out from behind the partition, and he's curled up in a ball on the bed with the blanket pulled up to his eyes on the verge of tears. At this point, I've dealt with far beyond my maximum capacity of this pee-menstrual crybaby bullshit for the day and bluntly ask him, what the fuck are you doing? He ignored me for about five minutes while I'm asking him such question as, are you seriously mad because I responded with what when you called my name? What the fuck did you expect me to do, bust out in song and dance? Are you seriously upset about this morning? Why the hell are you crying? He finally responded, Never in my life have I met someone as unloving as you. I came to you this morning, scared, looking for you to hold me, but you have not loved me. I did not like how you said what to me. It was angry and violent. I don't deserve to be treated this way. A 30-second pause followed by, Are you fucking for real? The argument went around in circles until he realized I wasn't going to let him win and I wasn't going to back down. So he proceeded to call me a troll and go on a tirade of character insults until I zoned him out and started texting my friends that I might need rescuing shortly, that he has officially lost his mind. I warned him that if this didn't stop, I would leave, but he kept pressing the issue and remained curled in a ball and hiding under the blankets. I told him that I wasn't going to spend my day off, that I could have been at work making much-needed money, or at the very least going out and enjoying the day, sitting in a dark room with someone who is crying and insulting me. So again, I tell him his options are stop, or I will respond to one of my four friends on standby, waiting for me to give the word to come get me. Even still, I hovered my finger over the send button and I said, this is your last chance, all I have to do is hit send. Are you done? Nope. Sent. Then he was actually surprised when I was gathering my things and making my way towards the door. He dumped me right before I left. I told him he did this. He chose this, not me. And as I was walking out, I told him, call me when you grow up and slam the door. I was home within 15 minutes. I checked his Facebook and saw that he was taking one of, one of his long showers that usually last a couple of hours or so. so. I figured he'd calm down and contact me to come back later, so I waited around, kept my phone close by. Well, he did text me and told me he bought a plane ticket to leave later that evening that he couldn't bear to be in Austin, Texas all by himself, even though his flight left the next morning, but okay.
I decided to call him because even though he had just spent the morning emotionally tormenting me and he dumped me, I didn't want him departing Austin, Texas on such a neat, uh, horrible note. So he talked and he told me that the ticket for that afternoon is already purchased, but he still has the ticket reserved for the next morning. He asked me if I wanted to come back to the hotel and talk things through. And I said yes. Okay, why? Yeah, why? Just leave it at... Just let him go. Just let him go. Go. Why even... You know, in the first place, why even bother with him in the first place? That's what I want to know, and hopefully, she, hopefully she'll say what it is. But uh, So, anyway. I get there, and he's still being horribly argumentative with me. I try to remain calm, level-headed, rational, and do the whole kill-him-with-kindness shtick. I couldn't hold out for very long. He pushed my buttons too many times, and I snapped on him. I went off on a tirade of my own. Are you fucking serious right now? You're a 25-year-old grown adult, and you're sitting up here, curled up in a ball, crying with the blankets pulled over your head. And why? Because I didn't want to cuddle you this morning? Are you fucking for real? Do you know how pathetic that is? You're a grown fucking man, and you can't even stand up for yourself. You know, when we get into arguments, I'd rather you punch me in the fucking face than sit here and cry like a little bitch. It was so strange yet miraculous. There was this pause, and then he looked up at me with these puss in boots eyes and said, Oh my god, you're right, and snapped out of it. Even though he was pretty quiet the rest of the evening, we had a great time. Everything was fine. Even the next morning before he left, he told me once again that I'm the first person to talk to him and treat him like an adult, like an equal, and that he owes me so much for how much I've apparently helped him grow in the short time we've been together so far. We spent the rest of the morning talking about our move. He dropped me off at home, we had a romantic goodbye kiss, and off he went to the airport. This story is getting ridiculously long and time-consuming, so let me just say that he was awesome over the next couple of days. He pretended like he understood and cared about my emotional needs very well. But as always, his insecurities and subsequential mania got the best of him. To make another long mini-story in this gargantuan novel I've written, short, a few nights later, Greg decided randomly one evening, while I was at work and certainly not intoxicated, not that he did not like that I occasionally drink, the only thing I can think of that spawned his sudden re revelation was that I made it pretty clear one of the stipulations in regards to me moving is that he has to give me adequate time to say goodbye to my friends, to have some alone time with them before he came out to Austin, Texas to pick me and my belongings up, to share some goodbye dinner and drink nights with them. He couldn't understand that me wanting alone time with my friends was not a suggestion, that I didn't want to spend time with him as well. Either way, he decided to call me several times at work to where I had to walk outside and talk to him, just to get my phone to stop ringing or vibrating. He made up this ridiculous ultimatum for me. Either I promise him right now that I will forever quit drinking, or we're over. I told him he is being completely ridiculous, and there's no need to even be having this conversation right now. Still, I humored him and tried to reason with him. I told him I would not promise him anything, that he should just learn to trust me, to not put myself into situations where a drunken Adrian can make poor decisions, and that he should trust me to do right by him. He responded with, You're absolutely right, but I don't think that I can date someone knowing they drink. I don't think we can be together, but I'm not dumping you. He literally held a conversation with himself consisting of that same sentence repeated, but worded slightly different every time he said it. 
He then told me he made a Facebook poll asking his friends if they should quit drinking if their significant other asked them to. He said only 99 people said no, a few thousand people said yes. What does that say to you? I told him, it says absolutely nothing. Your viewer demographic consists mostly of 16-year-olds who have not only have no realistic life experience nor any relationship experience, they're also not of legal age to drink and have no practice participating in a poll talking about alcohol consumption. Pwned! And thus he deleted it. Still, this shit went on for hours until he realized that once again he isn't going to win so he temporarily backed off. Honestly, dude, so much nonsensical bullshit went on between us that what happens after this, up until the last time we, all, we spoke, is all one big blur. However, something after this night happened. God only knows what it was that once again upset him. I remember us arguing. I remember that once again I got dumped and once again he started sending me five-part text messages saying how much he loves me, but he can't handle being treated this way anymore. I'm sure he told me I was being violent when I was speaking to him calmly. I'm sure he said I'm disrespecting him when he's telling me everything that's wrong with me. I'm sure he said things like, this is the final time and you have not fought for love, blah, 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 blah. Basically, he called me and told me that if I didn't drop everything to go be with him in Los Angeles right now, that this was over and there was no point. What was scary is that he wasn't being frantic like he normally is when, he, when we fight. He wasn't saying these things to me as calmly and collected as if he were asking me the time of day. This change in attitude made me start to panic because I didn't know how to handle it. So for fear of losing him, or at the very least losing him without having the upper hand and feeling rejected, I entertained the idea of complying with his wishes. So, I think, I think there we know why she keeps doing this. Right there, she does not want to feel rejected at all and doesn't want to lose him. I asked him about my animals. He told me to figure it out myself. I asked him about my job and money. He said, figure it out yourself. I asked him about my belongings. He asked me if I really need them and then told me to figure it out myself. He told me the only thing he was willing to help me with was the plane ticket there. I told him I'd do what he wanted if he compromised a little bit. I told him there is absolutely no way I am giving up my belongings. He said, pack them up and store them and he'll pay for them to get shipped in a few weeks. I asked him about working for him until I get my own job. He said, the offer still stands. My only issues were rehoming my animals and quitting my job. The latter I stalled on doing out of fear that something would go wrong and I'd be homeless and jobless. He gave me one week from that day to sort everything out and went ahead and bought my plane ticket. I waited a couple of days to see if he changed his mind, but he seemed happy and things felt normal. So I went into work with the intent of quitting and I sent him a text saying, I'm about to quit my job. You know this is real and official if I do. You have to promise me that you're not going to change your mind on this and I'm not going to end up without a home or means to support myself. He promised and I quit my job. As always, things went horribly, horribly wrong. A day later, or perhaps it was even that same night, I went to my friend's house and paid for his fiance, who is a licensed massage therapist, to fix my neck, shoulders, and back because I have chronic pain issues. He was fine with this. He was fine with me not Skyping him. It was when I went home and made a Facebook status update on my friend's only private account, referring to my massage as a sensual one and an obviously joking matter that he got upset. He saw my status and called me just short of screaming. 
He started telling me that I have disrespected and publicly humiliated him because I was writing inappropriate things on my personal Facebook. He told me that because I'm bisexual, that by nature I am inclined to be promiscuous and that I shouldn't let anyone but him touch me. That because I am bisexual, I cannot be trusted. That I have been inappropriate with a member of one of the sexes I am attracted to. One of the uh, two sexes that actually exist. I was so beyond flabbergasted that I made another status update, vaguely saying that I can't be trusted because I'm a bisexual. Yes, this was unwise and very immature. My friends, not knowing who or what this was about, commented on it, saying that whoever thinks that was is a misinformed douchebag. He read all the comments and felt like a complete dipshit and got even more frustrated, except with himself, not me. But of course, I bore the brunt of this. He dumped me. Again. Regardless of what he has said and done to me, I felt bad for hurting his feelings and tried desperately to rationalize with me. I begged him to Skype with me. He finally accepted my video call, and all he did was stare angrily into the camera at me and say absolutely nothing. So I tried making cute faces to make him smile, but he disconnected the call and texted me saying that I disrespected him by mocking him. I asked him again to Skype me. He refused. I messaged him on Skype to try to get him to at least chat with me. He refused. He deleted me off his personal Facebook, so I sent him a message. He ignored it. I sent an email to his personal and business accounts apologizing for hurting his feelings, which he didn't deserve, but I also didn't deserve being dumped, begging him to talk to me. I called him multiple times, no answer. All I got was a couple of texts saying that we're over and he never wants to speak to me again. Considering the severity of the situation, I decided to back off and heed his wishes. I deleted all of his contact information from my phone or otherwise. As I said on Google+, I unsubscribed, unliked, unfollowed, and unfriended everything I could think of. Basically, exactly what I said on that infamous post on my Google+, sums it up from that point on. He called me a few times while I was asleep, made that video of him calling me while I was asleep, and texted me the next morning breaking up with me yet again, though I had not spoken to him since the night before. I went back to work as I wrote on Google Plus and begged for my job back. I told him the night before that he has until 5 p.m. the next day to change his mind about breaking up with me because once I get my job back, I am not quitting it again. Of course, at 6 p.m. is when he started frantically trying to contact me texting me telling me he needs me to say needs to need to save him that he is dead he started psycho dialing me shortly after still i was busy at work and decided to leave well enough alone for the time being when i finally found some time downtime at work i texted him back i asked him what he was trying to accomplish by texting me that he was the one who broke up with me i more or less conveyed to him that you can only keep pushing someone away before one that they don't come they don't come back that's when his snarky std commentary on his facebook and twitter started that's when the that's where the std test videos began i was unaware of any of this until i got home from work that's when i wrote the google plus post i backed away turned off my computer and ignored anything having to do with the situation it was the next night while hanging out in the friend's house I was informed of his continued immaturity and attempted smear campaign. I decided to sign on Facebook and check it out for myself while I had the support of my friends. That's when the plot thickened. I saw that Shiloh had added me to her personal account 
and had sent me a message saying that she saw what I wrote on my Google+, Plus, that she went through the exact same thing with him, and that if I need someone to talk to, she's there for me. Again, with the whole morbid curiosity thing, I added her back, thanked her for her support, and gave her my number and told her to call me if she ever feels so inclined. Well, she felt inclined 15 minutes later. Unfortunately, I was busy and unable to answer the call. I figure I'd call her back the next day. And oh, that next day. Where I started my day talking to Shiloh on the phone and ended it with, with a 10-hour period of time. He called me 27 times, left 13 voicemails, 10 texts, 4 videos, 4 comments on Google+, an email, and a Facebook message. There is probably more than I'm forgetting, but you get the point. In between this, I had Shiloh calling me several times as well, because he was also calling her in the midst of calling me. I ended my night by drunkenly Skyping her, making fun of his shortcomings, that's in quotes, making fun of his dick, um, while Shiloh acted out with her roommate how Greg would scream sister's name when they had sex. His sister's name. Or something sister's name, I don't know. Definitely not Shiloh, basically. Uh, he, he apparently told her that he used to fantasize about sleeping with Blank's sister when they were married and accidentally would call out Blank's sister's name when he would sleep with Shiloh. She also told me that night that her and Greg had been seeing each other, or talking, in quotes, for a year prior to when they broke up. They broke up in July. Danny filed for divorce from Sky in January. Again, I just feel bad for Sky. In Greg's 13 voicemails, he starts off by telling me that almost everything I'm saying is accurate and true, that he is truly sorry for all he has done, that he loves me, and more or less is begging for me to take him back, that he hasn't canceled the plane ticket, and if I text him and tell him I'm boarding the plane, he'll be there waiting to pick me up with flowers in hand. <laughs> flowers in hand. Oh man, that is so stupid. This is like a Hollywood movie right here. This is like a Hollywood movie on a, like a comedy, like an edgy, dark humor comedy. Yeah, it's a black comedy. Uh, after that, he decides to randomly tell my voicemail how he had called Shiloh earlier in the day to discuss her apparent pregnancy. And because she wouldn't pee on a pregnancy test in front of him on Skype, that she wasn't really pregnant and that, yay, I'm not a daddy, or something to that effect. Then, towards the end, he starts going down a depressing and increasingly angry spiral. The last voicemail threatening to expose me because he is angry with me for not responding to him in a whopping 10-hour period of time. He took it upon himself to post on his website a completely unrelated live journal entry I had made months prior, directed towards the girl my ex-boyfriend left me for as a rebuttal to something she had written me. However, he as well, he as, well as most of his followers quickly realized he is an idiot and he deleted it an hour later. After that, he started sending me texts saying, I don't know true love and he feels sorry for me, goodbye, etc. Still, after all this... I did not respond or try to contact him one time. Over the next day or so, Shiloh called me repeatedly, apparently seeking my advice on how she can handle Greg, because apparently he was now doing the same thing to her that he had just done to me. 
calling her repeatedly, saying how much he loves and misses her, and is begging for her back. I even have a voicemail she left me saying this was the 16th time he had called her that day. He told her he had bought her a plane ticket to see him in the next couple of days. She was calling me for willpower to say no to his advances, but apparently my advice fell on deaf ears and her past experiences were not enough to sway her from falling into this trap. Though it was a trap she was seeking out, she made it very clear she was only prying for her information from both of us to wedge herself between us and utilize me as a stepping stool to get closer to him. That blog post she made about us being friends was complete bullshit. As days later, she was making videos in his room on his camera making fun of my private parts. When I had never said or did anything to this girl to deserve being treated so poorly. In fact, all I had ever done was try to be her friend and be supportive of her. She told me that she was going to fly to go stay with her mother to think things through. She even called me from the airport saying she was waiting to board her plane and was telling me how excited she was to see her mother. When in reality, she knew full well she was boarding a plane to go see Greg. When I got the Facebook message from her mother confirming that she was with Greg, I posted on Shiloh's wall saying that she didn't need to lie to me. What she chooses to do in her personal life is her business, but that she needs to know if this fails, she has no one to blame but herself this time, and I'm removing myself from the situation. I told her I wish her the best and deleted her as a friend. Aside from the aforementioned videos, I never heard from her again. How sad. After Even after being contacted by Blank and being told that the entire time he was with me, he was trying to win back Sky. Or today, when I noticed the Facebook message sent a week into our relationship from a girl trying to warn me, claiming he was cybering her while he was with Shiloh. And with me, all while trying to win back Sky. After all of this, I just keep my mouth shut and remain backed away from the situation. Due to the outpouring of support, I realized that people are catching on and that I no longer needed to say anything. They are digging their own graves. It's just so unfortunate. I know I wrote primarily about the negative aspects of our short-lived relationship, but if there weren't positives, I wouldn't have stuck around through all of it. I really like the boy. What can I say? Against my better judgment, I really wanted it to work. I tried as best as I knew how. And what really sucks... We all know going through a breakup is bad enough, but going through a breakup with hundreds of thousands of people being involved? Mindfuck much? There's my story. The sad thing is there is still more I could write about, but my brain is starting to throb. If you have any questions or want me to elaborate on anything, please feel free to ask. Also, I apologize in advance for the inconsistencies, but I've been typing this off and on for a good day or so, so it was hard to keep the flow going. And that's everything that Adrian had to say. And would you believe it? There is more. This is actually from a man named Michael that went to high school with Onision. Yes, so this is from a SoundCloud podcast episode by some guy 827 So this is what Michael had to say about him. My name is Michael, and I went to school with Gregory Jackson, also known as Onision, ever since my freshman year to my senior year. Um, in the very beginning, he was always the quiet, somewhat awkward kid who would have the occasional loud outburst in class over something he thought was funny. But no one else did. 
Teachers never really liked him for doing that, and the more they got angry with him for doing it, the more he seemed to continue to just do it. Basically, the best way to explain how he was then is just look at how he is now, just not as intense. I don't know if he knew he was being unfunny or not, but like I said, the teachers got mad at him all the time because he just wouldn't stop. He would interrupt class all the time to make some stupid joke about farts or just something incredibly immature, and he often got kicked out of class for it, actually. I remember a few times he got kicked out of class for it, and he ended up just getting mad at the teacher. And the more often they would try to reprimand him for doing this, the more often he would do it. I guess that was in his way, in his mind, his way of rebelling. And when things got really awkward for Greg is around the time he got interested in some girls he knew at the school. Now that I know him and Sky have known each other for a very long time. They knew each other since about 2000 to 2001. And I want to make something clear right now. I don't think I very made it clear in the thread last night. This is sort of secondhand information. I know people that they know, and this is what they told me. So you have to take this all as you will. I'm just kind of dumping this off my conscience because of how long of all this for years. And after getting curious from seeing some videos of him of what became of him. This is one of the reasons why I'm doing this. The biggest problem he has always faced in his life, it seems even now, and it was then, is that he's a massive cheater. He never seems to make true commitments to any of them. He would see a couple of different girls at school because he was seeing one and not telling the other. And I just never understood how he could so easily do that. He was more upset all the time that he got caught. Rather than what he was doing this to them in the first place. I know that it's something cheaters tend to do. They'll just pass the buck off and pass the blame on someone else. This was almost every other week until he got serious with Sky. That whole website of his that uh, SG87 dug up a long, long time ago... Every girl that he listed on there, for the most part, as an ex-girlfriend, the reason why he even put them up on that site in the first place is because he just never let go of them. He would follow these girls around school. He would follow them around in their personal life. He, it wasn't until he got serious with Sky that he actually finally physically left them alone. He would still write about these girls a lot. And whenever he would see postings, he would post poetries on these school boards all the time that were basically love letters to these girls. And he wouldn't tell his girlfriend then about it. It's just why with several friends, we were always worried about them. It would just be so abnormal for a person they wronged in one breath would tell you that they are the worst person in the entire world and then just goes into weird moralities that he has and see that for the moment. He would tell that she's the worst person in the world, and then in the next breath, he'll say they're the most beautiful, shining builder of light ever that filled his life with so much meaning. And it seems like in the girl's reading of the book that he has written, he's never left that mentality behind. We had to deal with this all the time. Once he has started getting one with the girls, once he started getting all before he got serious with his now ex-wife, he's a nightmare. It wasn't as much different than it seems to be now, really. He had this incredibly strange perception that cigarettes, school, uh, alcohol, and drugs were, what can I even compare it to? They were worse than murder, to be honest. It was odd. I don't even know where anybody can get such a 
And his moral views are just hard to put into words. He absolutely thought he was better than everyone else because he never tried a cigarette. He had never tried smoking weed, never taken a drink of alcohol. Now, to everyone else, we didn't care. We didn't care about those sorts of things. But oh, he- and also he never eaten meat. So that's one thing about that. Just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> But he actually used those things as some sort of moral superiority, like he was purer than everyone else, that he was cleaner than everyone else. And it was insane because what he was doing was he was putting himself as better than other people when they themselves had never touched any of those things either. He would more or less weigh people up on how they looked and how they acted and use that as the sole basis for judging them as people. Even then, like I said, in the girl's reading of the book, in that book, he's literally documenting exactly how he was in high school, and we all experienced nothing different. It was funny because when he got very, very into this veganism thing, he would intentionally start fights with people about it. He would piss people off by going up to them if they're having a burrito or having a hamburger or having a pepperoni pizza, anything with meat on it. He would out of nowhere start just berating them, saying like, you're exploiting the killing of animals and stuff. And people, when they're eating, they don't want to hear about it. No one wants to hear that. So then they would just either leave without finishing lunch or they'd get into an argument with him. And then he would act like he was superior because he got them into an argument. And I remember one time he had some, I don't even really know what it was about. I can barely remember what it was about. He had some personal problem with these three metalhead kids. And they decided to get into an argument with him. And instead of, you know, trying to weasel his way out of the argument, he pulled the personal card. And that was not pretty. They beat the crap out of him in front of the entire school. Most of the videos he'll talk about his past stuff on YouTube. That None of that's true. It's either major exaggerations or he massively underplays what happened or just makes things up entirely. Once he started getting to be the way you know him and most of the internet knows him now, back then we all just kind of rejected him. This is what made his moral code for make even less sense. He wasn't a vegan or a vegetarian at all during high school. He would gorge on burgers, tacos, burritos, anything that vegetarians don't normally eat, as well as energy drinks and soda. The energy drinks were worse because his sense of humor was already bad. So being hopped up on all that caffeine just made it a thousand times worse. And a lot of the fights and arguments he got into with people about his views on veganism and vegetarianism were from the fact that he wasn't actually a vegan or a vegetarian at all. Seeing a lot of his videos on the subject now, and this is exactly the same stuff he would say. Exactly the same stuff. And people were watching him eating a Burger King Whopper or something like that. And they wondered to themselves, why is this guy telling me my diet is disgusting when he is exactly, when he's doing exactly the same thing? I don't think he's ever really been a vegan. I don't think he's ever really been a vegetarian. I know that you've said this in a video and it reminded me of my feelings on him even back in high school. I think personally he just says these things because he knows they stir controversy and that gets people talking about him. He can be one thing completely different behind closed doors, but in front of his audience, he's this completely different thing from that. It's an idealized version of himself. He was starting to get really more into that in high school as well in your senior year. At this point in my life, I was way more focused on finals, was way more focused in trying to get into college. And at that point, when he was really starting to go off the deep end, I just didn't care anymore. I had better things to do with my life. 
So this is kind of a weird story. So it goes like this. I, for one, I don't know the full details of what really brought this to a conference. I know that he had been seeing a girl, a mutual friend of a mutual friend, and he decided to start seeing someone behind her back without letting her know. As I said earlier, this is something that he did a lot. He would get bored of a girl because he'd find something about her that he didn't like, and then he would just go and see somebody else and not even bother breaking up with her because if I guess if things messed up with him and the girl he was cheating on her with, he'd have something to fall back on. Sounds like the whole, what was that girl's name? The Shiloh thing. Anyway, he gets caught, and he was actually trying to get with this girl sexually. She feels uncomfortable about it, from what I understand. Tells her father, and I said I don't know if he was a Marine or not. He looked like he could have been. I mean, he was a very big guy. He was a very, very built guy. And I stumbled upon this because I had some late work to turn in. And rather than just set it on my teacher's desk and wait for them to get in the morning, I knew exactly where their personal office was back at the school. So I went directly to them just to give it to them in person so I knew they would get it. On the way there, I passed by the principal's office where this is all going on. And when you hear something like this, you want to just stop and just observe. I mean, you don't want to miss something like this. So essentially, I'm overhearing him getting yelled at, being called a motherfucker, a stupid asshole, a whiny crybaby, just everything under the sun from this guy. And I'm just kind of standing around the corner listening to all this. The principal is not saying anything. He's just sitting there kind of with his hand against his temple, and he's just leaning on his desk watching this all go on. And the girl is very upset. She's going... How could you do this to me? How could you think of me so little to try and use me like that? I had to actually turn away because I couldn't stop laughing. And Onion is not saying anything. He's just standing there doing nothing. His mom walks in. His mom, she's just, she's just always been special. From every time she's had to bail him out of things, and that was a lot. She's had to bail him out a lot in life. I, in fact, I think the only parental influence he's ever had in his life that anybody in school ever saw was his mother. No one ever saw him around a dad. No one ever saw a father in the picture. I guess that kind of says everything that needs to be said. But she shows up and she starts going off about how her boy is this amazing, special boy who can't do anything wrong. He's not in the wrong here. This girl is a trifling little skank. She's just trying to corrupt her son. All this and the dad is just about ready to go off. I think he was about ready to smack Greg for this. Out of nowhere, this woman starts chanting these, I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to be rude to people that are into pagan religions and such, but she starts chanting this stuff. And I mean, it's just like, he buries his hands in his face. He's sitting there looking like his life is over. You almost want to be sympathetic to him, and then you realize he that he is only in this position because he put himself in this position, and his mother is chanting to the moon or whatever, trying to bail him out, and the principal eventually gets so fed up with it that he asks everybody to leave. The whole thing is just, you know, everything said and done is out. And I've been told by other people that their connection and relationship was just absolutely bipolar. She would praise him and say he's the best son in the world. He can do no wrong. I, I guess other people, he was just misunderstood by other people. And the next moment, she would just tear him down about everything. His personality, the things he likes, the things he doesn't like, the people he hung around, everything. In his upbringing, you'd never see him for what friends of his would tell friends of mine and myself. You never see his father as a major influence in his life. And with a mother like this, he had a very feminist, feminine-structured household. 
I'm not trying to be sexist here by saying this, but that can cause a lot of problems for children. You need both parents. You need the mother and you need the father. And if you look at a lot of how he views people, if you look at, at a lot of how he views women, men, relationships, anything within that spectrum is absolutely all over the place. He has no consistency whatsoever. And we never noticed any consistency. He was never he was either a total bastard to his mother or he was the best thing in the world to her. She never really talked much about his sisters at all. She never mentioned anything about any other aspect of his life aside from some really crazy weird new age stuff and her son. She might as well not have any other children because she was always obsessed with talking about her son. I never liked this lady to be really honest with you. You not many people did. Not a lot of the people I ever talked to did. They said that she would give them a thousand-yard stare instead of, like, looking at them. When she would talk to you, she would look through you. Not much was going on upstairs. I mean, to be really honest, a lot of my friends, we thought she was on drugs when we first met her. We thought something was very off with this woman, like she was constantly strung out. We never seemed too happy to ever bring her around any of them, like she was a giant burden that wouldn't leave him alone. I don't really blame him because to have somebody in your life like that, it's just got to be absolutely irritating. I don't know what it's like personally, but I can also imagine. So other than that, I don't know much in depth to say about his mother. As I've said a couple of times already, some of this information is going to be secondhand because it was told to me from people that knew him better than I ever knew. But I'll let you know when I'm getting to that. What I do know is that they met around 2000, 2001. They started dating when I was going to high school with them. And I know that she had no idea of any of the troubles he had gotten into with girls. Up until they started dating, she didn't know about any of the trouble he was causing for himself between other students. It was like none of that ever happened. He never bothered to talk to her about it. He never bothered to talk to anyone about it. It was like he just deleted it from his life from ever having happened. Overnight, they started dating, and he was a completely different person. And for a while, it was all right. They were actually a pretty balanced couple. He seemed to be a lot more even keel than he ever was. He wasn't having mood swings. And between thinking he was better than everybody else and thinking that he should be depressed when people didn't understand he was better than everybody else, things were relatively normal. But that didn't very, very, la very that didn't last very long at all. After a while, he started settling more into this online stuff, and you discovered him doing... I mean, he got very buried in that, and I don't know much about that, to be honest. This was, like I said earlier, around the time I was prepping for college, prepping for finals, all that, and he was really getting more hardcore around that time. So I don't know much about the online stuff. Other than that, he was getting very much buried into it. He was going off the deep end again. But the more he got buried in that, the more he reverted back into how he used to be high and mighty over everyone. He was superior to everyone again. No one liked the fact that he was very manipulative at this point in his life. He had been slightly manipulative. Slightly. He liked to have some hold of power over people. He would ask around for other people about people he didn't like to find things about their personal lives out and then have that as some ammunition against them. Small stuff like this. But when he got with Skye, that was something that never sat well with me because after a while we saw less and less of her we heard less and less from her, and near the end of my high school years, I don't remember ever talking too much with her at all. She just disappeared because she was always hanging on to him. Even at that age, I knew that was never a good sign. I knew that that's one of the many things of an abusive relationship. I didn't report it. I didn't have the energy to care anymore. What I've been told from my other people is that during this time, just remember, secondhand information, so I can't confirm. I can't confirm, but I'm not doubting what I've been told. What I'm stating here. 
that he had already taken her under his wing and she had recently disappeared off the face of the earth to friends and family. But he didn't want her around, I guess, after all the things he had done to other people. He was afraid that she was the one to get away, so he had taken her away himself. And if that is how things indeed went down, that's absolutely disgusting. I know a lot of friends that she used to have in high school just say they didn't hear from her anymore, so they lost contact. I wanted to get to know her better as a person because I knew she was a very nice person. She was very quiet. And after he came along, she just disappeared. Absolutely disappeared. Now, watching your videos and watching many other people's videos, this is my personal statement on this, so apologies for being very long-winded. I'm absolutely disgusted by what he did to her. That was the most out-of-left thing I think I've ever, ever witnessed in regards to Greg. He was in so much head-over-heels love for this girl while we were all going to school together. Talking about getting married, talking about having a life together, all of that. A lot of people don't realistically talk about those things when they're in school. But he was really in love with this girl. To see him have left her for a younger girl still in her teens and to react the way he did to divorcing her, it was his choice to divorce her. I'm at a loss for words. I mean, in the years since I went to school with this fucktard, I would have never thought in a million years, like her of all people, he'd do this to. Now, I know also he did cheat on her and he got caught because the girl that he had done this to her would find out that he was in a relationship, went over his head, told her, and he didn't know what to do. He freaked out, started crying, bawling, begging to get her back. Then he started denying it and saying it never happened. This was a girl he said was his absolute best friend one moment, an absolute trashy whore who started taking drugs, who started messing up her life with all the weird things that go against his moral code. Yes, yes, that girl. That's who he decided to screw around on his future wife with. And I think this is what forever put a dent in their relationship. He never stopped doing that. Even a girl like her could not stop him from doing that. And yeah, that's that whole interview that Michael had about him. Yeah, I'm not surprised by any of those descriptions by how he was in high school. Because, like, honestly, like, I don't like to judge people by how they look. But, like, he just has that look like a lot of the douchebags I went to high school with that, you know, like, act up in class and think it's funny, we're constantly getting sent out in the hall for acting up, that kind of thing, so I'm not surprised by any of this. Sounds like he has, a, like, mentality issues, like, um, probably bipolar and also schizophrenic. I, I don't want to put any, I, I don't want to put any, like, labels on him, because, you know, it's not... It's not verified, but I know he's manipulative. We know that for a fact. I mean, we've got countless accounts of that. So, Onision would talk bad about the U.S. Air Force. So this is a video he called, he said, uh, this is a video called My Bad USAF Experiences. This was uploaded on July 13th, 2016. So he said, so he says this, so someone asked me to make a video about my Air Force experience. For videos like these, I have a short attention span, so let's get to the negative. This is from a music video I made while I was in the Air Force. In this music video, I shit all over the military, and this is around the three-year mark of me being in the military. This picture was taken of me while I was still in the Lakeland Air Force Base. As you can see, I wasn't a very happy camper. 
When I was in the Air Force, I cut my own hair because a lot of people in the Air Force are absolute psychopaths when it comes to their haircuts. If your hair even come remotely close to your ear, especially in security forces, many individuals in the supervisory roles will flip their shit on you. And we're talking about your hair just touching your ears a little. So naturally, I had to shave my own hair this goddamn short. There were many points when I shaved my whole goddamn head, but probably not for the reason you think. See, if you look at this photo closely, you'll see a little patch of hair that's missing. What the medical professional at Air Force Base, what say the medical professional at Air Force Base? Because I had a little cyst in my head and I wanted them to remove it. And they refused to remove it. The reason was clearly that they didn't have enough medical experience to actually follow through with the procedure and didn't refer to another doctor who did know what they were doing. They instead just basically shrugged me off. So I went home and I stuck a needle in my head and made the cyst explode out of my head. And the reason the hair was missing in that photo was because the cyst put so much pressure on my scalp that it conflicted with the hairs that were already there. We had a tech sergeant and a staff sergeant who are in charge of our flights. I was informed not long after we graduated basic, a staff sergeant was allegedly removed from her position due to her supposedly losing her temper and punching a trainee in the face. And this is no surprise to me, a training instructor was a nutcase. A lot of people would like you to believe that the Air Force is just a typical job, and that is complete and utter bullshit. One of the many unprofessional things that my training instructor did was isolated a few airmen. And then with one of her military friends ordered us to assume degrading positionings while she laughed at us. The position basically involved us laying on our back and putting our legs and arms up in the air. Kind of like, and he, he puts like a little, uh, he does like a little description of how he was uh, forced to do it. With her authority, she forced us to maintain this position. And she continued to mock us and dehumanize us. And throughout my experience, I saw airmen break down in tears, crying hysterically because how these allegedly brave, honorable individuals had treated them. In fact, the first night of basics training had been a good amount of time confronting one of the airmen because he was crying so hysterically due to poor treatment. Of course, when you go to sites that review the U.S. Air Force, everybody wants to be a good old boy. We all want to be a part of the team. This is America. If we say negative truths about the Air Force, we're no longer patriotic. My question to you is, if you're willing to defend a system of dishonor, how much honor do we ourselves have? You, you know, I, I still don't know how this guy got in the military. You know, especially with how strict the military is and how he acted in high school. Because of how old he was when he got in the military, I mean, I'm kind of wondering, like, did he act the same way in basic that he did when he was in high school? How... How did he get through um, sac evaluation? That is what I want to know. Oh, <laughs> well, he probably like you know you know how like some of these like very crazies do they they put on a persona that you know it's hard to you uh, I mean you look at serial killers over the years I mean so they they manipulate their own behavior so that nobody would ever know. You take a look at somebody like uh, oh god. Can't even imagine who to think of, like Ted Bundy or uh, Charles Manson. Charles Manson, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer's another one. I mean, holy shit the the way that they manipulated their own minds to make people think that they weren't these serial killers was just 
amazing. And I'm not saying that he's a serial killer. I'm just saying like the way that you, like if you have this like mental illness, like there's something about these mentally unhealthy people that they're just, they just know how to uh, block their own illnesses out. So nobody can really like know what their issues are. I'm surprised he doesn't have a cult. Oh wait, it's called YouTube fandom. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, if you want to talk about fandoms, we can talk about the Shane Dawson fandom and the win with Onision, because Onision has this obsession with Shane Dawson. He goes, Shane, okay, so this was a, um, so he has a video called Shane Dawson, my ex-friend. He uploaded this on October 4th, 2016, and this is why he hates him. Shane Dawson, oh God, Onision making another video about him, but talking about him has a lot of advantages. Number one, his name attracts video views. Number two, on a regular basis, people implied that I look like him, which gives me this immortal, annoying association. Number three, I really don't like him and ranting about him is therapeutic for me. This is me begging Shane Dawson in 2000 whenever to collaborate with me. Very few people knew who I was, so I offered to write scripts of more popular people and edit their videos so long as they would collaborate with me. This worked with Olga K, who was big back then, Swift Karate Chop, who was big back then, Waste Time Chasing Cars, who was big back then, What the Buck Show was also once a big deal, and I also collabed with Joe Nation TV and a number of other people, and oddly enough, most of those people have dead YouTube channels now. Times change. Yeah, I know all about what the buck because he was part of. He did a stint with Irate Gamer one time that not many people know about, but he did. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, what the buck show? Like before he ever became popular, he actually did a little uh, cameo in one of Irate Gamer's channels. Wow, that <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. No, not channels. I meant videos. Anyway. Uh, Shane Dawson essentially told me no, indicating he didn't want me editing videos on his channel. But he did finally say that he needed me to help him when the video after he got stomach surgery or something. He asked me to dress up as my nerd character as we both had nerd characters and basically replace him on his channel for one role. As a result of that collaboration, I got somewhere near a quarter of a million subscribers. There would be, that, there would be me sucking his penis right there. If this weren't YouTube, but you get the idea. What he did was amazing for my channel. Eventually, we eventually met at VidCon 2000, whatever. Uh, while we're at VidCon, we play Truth or Dare, and we kiss. Pretty gay, right? What makes sense, considering he says he's bi, and I say I'm bi-romantic. I think she noticed I was following him around VidCon like a lost puppy. So at some point I said we're friends, maybe to uh, ease my mind and let me know that everything was chill. A short time after, I was living in L.A., and he and I agreed to another collab. We'd go out to lunch and talk about life, YouTube, etc., and oddly, on a regular basis, tell me who I should not work with. One of the ones I remember the most prominently was Smosh. I'd always say, okay, I'd never work with those people, you guys, because my friend Shane Dawson told me not to work with them all. And I see Shane Dawson working with the very same people he told me not to. Not long after, eventually Shane Dawson and I found ourselves recording a song together, I put. Uh, about like six to ten hours into that song, we also wrote a script for a music video that we're going to do together. Because Shane Dawson greenlit with the project I went and got actors for the music video. 
I also went out and bought costumes for the music video. Then after I did all of this, until Shane, I was ready to go. He told me that he decided he's not now not going to do the video. So here I am telling the other people that they're not going to be doing the video as well. And of course, the music and the script at that point are basically trash. I mean, not exactly. I did keep the song and notified it a bit. So at some... Modified it, my bad. Uh, so at some point, while Shane and I were out to eat, he said something that I'm probably never, I'll probably never forget. I was asking about video ideas, my life on YouTube, basically YouTube, YouTube, and YouTube. And he said, YouTube is just a job. That made me think, so what? Subscribers are just numbers, videos? Aren't you exposing yourself, but rather just profit potential? Or in other words, a huge chunk of your life is spent being fake. We're talking about a guy who sits in front of the camera and insists that he loves you guys so much, and yet he calls the only reason most of you know he even exists just a job. Here's what Shane clearly forgot or just didn't care enough to know about me. The last night of November 14th, 2007, I had a gun to my own head. There are literally only two reasons I can think of that saved me from pulling the trigger that night. Was my wife, who I didn't want to abandon when I was serving the Air Force in South Korea, and the second one was YouTube. I wanted to make something of my life, and YouTube was that meaning. So when this guy who's been telling millions of his subscribers how much he cares about them, how much he loves them that day, that YouTube is just a job to you. YouTube is a lot more than that and has enormous meaning to you. Well, this picture kind of sums up how I felt. He shows a picture of a drawn face with bangs like, uh, with, like that of Onision. So eventually, I moved away from L.A. Too much fake for me. But I texted Shane Dawson whenever I was coming down to hang out with him. And he'd say, sure, text me when you get here. And then I'd get there, and he would not respond. I'd be like, hello? Still no response. And then I'd fly back home, and that was the story of our entire friendship. Consistent letdowns. At one point since then, Shane did film himself saying that he should have me on his podcast. Someone tweeted the video clip. So I tweeted at Shane telling him that I didn't want to be on his podcast. Shane responded acting like he didn't know what I was talking about. So I sent them the video URL to remind them of what he himself recently said. And then it was crickets from him. Long story short, when you see Shane Dawson crying on camera, you're seeing crocodile tears. And you see him say that he loves you, it's a lie. If he ever calls you his friend, guess what? You're just there so long as it's convenient to him. But to be honest, as usual, it was because of the video where I kissed Shane Dawson that I met my wife, Lainey. Shane Dawson also gave me my huge first break, and as a result of those two things, I'm a lot happier today than I was before I met Shane. So I appreciate what he's done for me, but to this day, he remains a huge disappointment. So I'm happy that Shane's out of my life and he can't let me down anymore. And while today I don't have a lot of friends, I at least know I'm not going to be a letdown as much. That's all I have for you. Bye bye. And that's everything on Onision. <sighs> wow. God, I haven't had a roller coaster like emotional ride in a long time with this show. I can't even remember the last time. Would it have been one of the Chris Chan related ones? I don't think. Uh, I mean, that one was like three hours long, and we practically only missed the same amount of time. Like, like, oh my god, we almost went two hours and 45 minutes. 
I, I want to say, like, the last time I felt like this was when we did the Nostalgia Critic, uh, the, the big reveal of the Channel Awesome thing. Oh, are you talking about the document? Oh, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. So, alright, guys, so... Next time we do Legends, these guys won't be on, but I'm going to get together with the, uh, the originals, and we're going to talk about Keemstar. So that's what's going to be our next episode. Uh, so until next time around, uh, if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on YouTube, all the links to all these guys' pages are in the description box as well as my own. If you happen to be listening on any of our podcasting sites, um, thank you very much. Our numbers keep growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, like when we did the Elsa Gate episode, we had like 40, 40 downloads in one day. Uh, for those of you that... Um, are listening. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody.